Back in My Play, episode number 16. This time we're going to be talking about Super Mario Bros. 2 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. I am Kevin Larrabee, and along with me this week, back from the Player One podcast, is Chris Johnston. Chris, how you doing? Good. Uh, I learned early in life that if you're forehead deep in quicksand, just keep jumping and push to the left because you may find a shortcut straight to the boss. Wait, really? Yes. All right, Is that I how you got your one. job at Adult Swim Games? <laughs> Something like that. like that. Yeah. Yes. We write to Ted Turner or whoever runs that place. And that That's other right. uh, great public speaker is Josh Hillier. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. I, I just found out recently that in Japan, I am known as Spaghetti Spaghetti Joshua. But in America, I'm Joshua Hillier. All right. This is going to be a great show because it's super <laughs> weird. Kind of like Super Mario Brothers 2, but we're going to get right into it this week. Uh, first off, uh, we're going to take a super quick break. There's some really good music for this game, so I'm going to just put in some extra segments. So stick around. We'll be right back with the history of Super Mario Brothers 2. Okay, quickly, we're going to be talking about the history of Super Mario Bros. 2. It is probably the most talked about history of a game just because it's of its unique nature. And, you know, when people, you know, were growing up, this is when we started seeing the differences between the United States and Japan and sometimes how Nintendo treated the United States differently or other territories differently. But Super Mario Bros. 2... The game that we got in the United States came out in October of 1988, and it came out in Japan on September 14th, 1992. You can see there was a four, almost a four-year gap between the release in the U.S. and Japan. And when it did come out in Japan, it was titled Super Mario USA. For the development backstory, the game actually began as Doki Doki Panic. It was based off a Fuji TV show, and this game was then revamped to be made into Super Mario Brothers 2 because Nintendo of America believed that, A, the original Super Mario Brothers 2, what we in the United States and other territories know as the Lost Levels, uh, was probably A, too hard, and B, at that point in 1988, there were so many other Nintendo games that had better graphics, you know, more advanced gameplay, that we would just see this new this Super Mario Brothers 2 and just not really like it. It wouldn't do well over here. And again, the, the Americans suck at video games, so we wouldn't be able to play it. Uh, thankfully, Nintendo uh, went back to the drawing board, and like I said, they modified Doki Doki Panic and actually brought... Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto and uh, Koji Kondo onto that project to help make it more of a Super Mario Brothers game, tighten the gameplay, uh, redo some of the graphics and some of the mechanics of the game itself, but a lot of the core designs remain the same. And again, I'm going to kind of go over all over the place, but just to get through this, um, you know, was interesting that Doki Doki Panic. 
uh, came out on the Famicom uh, disc system in Japan. Um, and it was, again, based off that Fuji TV show, which began as two children were reading a story and a monstrous hand suddenly appears from inside the pages and kidnaps them. Uh, when the rest of the family hear their cries for help, they also jump into the story and help save them. And it's two kids and a mother and a father. And they all have unique mechanics in the game, and they carry this over for Mario, Luigi, Toad, and the Princess. And in Super Mario Brothers 2 in the United States, uh, they have to go into Dreamland uh, and fight off, of course, I, I always thought he was King Wart, but when I uh, was looking this up, I guess he was just called Wart in the game. For the mechanics, many people know Mario runs faster, Luigi jumps higher, Toad can pick up things faster, and the princess has a great mechanic of just being able to float uh, for a couple seconds after uh, jumping. There's also changes to mechanics, like not being able to jump on enemies and having them die. You'd actually jump on an enemy if they weren't throwing projectiles up, and you would just ride them, which was kind of cool. Also, they had a life meter in a bar instead of a mushroom in a uh, fire flower system. There was also the subspace slash alternate universe mechanic. When you had those genie bottles, you'd throw them, a door would pop up, and you would go into this alternate world where you'd have to search uh, search for health and for mushrooms to gain extra hearts. And also, uh, just fun fact, Super Mario Bros. 2 sold 10 million copies in the United States and was the third highest selling game ever released on the NES at the time. And it does have some more unique back, uh, you know, backstory being that the characters in Super Mario Bros. 2, even though that game was not originally made to be a Super Mario Bros. game, those characters went into the cartoon and then were also carried over into other games and really stayed within the franchise itself, even though some of those guys were not originally made for the game. We also saw some interesting things like changing in the world structure, going from world to world and having everything look different, a little bit more advanced than what we had in the original Super Mario Brothers. And also, uh, I think that's it. Just quickly for ports. Obviously, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario All Stars in August 1993, there was a version that was created for that, which upscaled everything to 16 bits, uh, 16 bit graphics and sound, making use of the Super Nintendo, uh, redoing all the graphics, redoing the sound, and also making some specific for Super Mario Brothers 2, some really interesting changes to the game's mechanics and also the rules where you would start with five lives instead of three. And they also fixed some of the collision mechanics in the game that were kind of cheap in the original NES game that we'll talk about in a little bit. And also it allowed you to change the character in between levels and if you died. So it made things a lot easier if you did die to uh, change your character if you thought you wanted someone else for a specific situation. And there was also a re-release on the Game Boy Advance uh, when the Game Boy Advance launched in the United States as Super Mario Advance. So um, before we jump into any of that stuff, I want to again quickly mention the lost levels and ask you, starting with CJ, you know, the lost levels, do you like that game? You know, what what are your thoughts on the lost levels? Because I feel like we shouldn't just brush right over that. It does seem to be an important part of this game's history as well. Yeah, you know, I uh, the first time I played the lost levels was in Mario All-Stars, and I hate that game. Like it's just uh uh they've made Mario not fun. 
and you know i i sort of understand it as uh they released it in japan as a continuation of super mario brothers where it was supposed to start off as difficult as it as it was on world 8 but that just didn't work for me as a uh, a separate release in a mario game i i ended up just not not liking it i have finished it but uh only because in super mario all stars you can uh you can continue where you left off if you die so you think they made the right choice to go with you know the revamped Doki Doki Panic, Super Mario Brothers 2 I for the United States. absolutely do, yes. Cool. Josh, how about uh, you? What well, do you, you know, I'm listening to what you guys are talking about right now, and I was trying to decide how I felt about it. And uh, the first thing that came into my mind is this idea that you can tell it was a very young industry um, in terms of being a mainstream industry, that they would make a sequel to such a massively popular game, such as Super Mario Brothers, and uh, make it that difficult and such a turnoff to... A potential Western audience, which is the exact opposite of what they do today. Yeah. And what Nintendo's often criticized as doing today with uh, too much hand holding. So uh, that stood out, first of all. And CJ, I wanted to ask you do you like, like, Massacre platformers? No, I'm really not, <laughs> not into that either. Yeah, so maybe that's good maybe person. that's why I don't like the lost levels. <laughs> well, that would that would make sense. And this is I was just thinking this is one of the first major examples of that little subgenre of platform. Like the super meat boys and things like that, the VVVVs, all those, right? Yeah, like a thousand and one spikes, those okay. types of games. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Lost Levels is cool for what it is. Um, I, st- I don't know um, what I think about whether Super Mario Brothers 2 USA um, was the right decision, or if maybe they should have rebalanced the lost levels. Then again, like CJ was saying, it's basically just a continuation. It, it almost feels like what we would have as DLC today. It's not really yeah. uh, as fresh of a game as a sequel should be. Like Super Mario Brothers 3 was a big sequel, and it really changed mechanics and um, felt like a, a bigger experience, which is what a sequel should be. Cool. Well, yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way because we will never cover that game on this show because I, I never, like <laughs> CJ said, I, I, I'd never want to play that. Like, I will play like the first two worlds and then just say, yeah, no, this is, you know, pretty much unfair. And that's before you get to the, the wind stages and things like that that are just uh, crazy. I have a great copy of the Famicom disc game that is sitting on my shelf and that I will never touch. And I just I like to have about- it there. The wind levels, man. It's yeah, now, no, now I see no why joke. you guys hate this game so much. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's cool. I mean, if and if you have Super Mario All Stars, you know, it's always fun to give it a shot, and it's also up on the uh, virtual console on pretty much everything. So, give it a look. All right, let's take another quick break, and then we're going to go back to 1988 or maybe later, depending on the chip shortages. Because uh, yeah, that's what happens. Stick around; we'll be right back. Super Mario is back. He's blasting worlds where no one has ever been. He's taking on enemies no one else dares. This time, Mario pops up power wherever he goes. So he's bigger and badder than ever before. You've never seen creatures like these. You've never had an adventure like this. It's everything you've dreamed of and worlds more. It's Super Mario 2, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power.
Okay, we're back for our memories and the history of Super Mario Brothers 2 for ourselves. And again, you know, this is kind of an interesting game. Like the other game, I think is probably most known for this, or the other two games is Castlevania and The Legend of, or I should say, uh, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. This kind of time period in 1988 where there were literal chip shortages in uh, with Nintendo in Japan to get these carts out. So you're really hard pressed to find Super Mario Brothers 2 coming up to Christmas time and things like that. So uh, because you are our guest on the show, CJ, I want to send it off to you first. You know, when was the first time that you checked this game out and, and what were your initial impressions? Well, I had uh, been anticipating this game quite a bit because uh, it was featured out on this Nickelodeon news show. They did like a preview of Super Mario Brothers 2, and I taped that and probably wore out the tape watching the footage back <laughs> over and over and over again, like almost learning the entirety of the first uh, level, basically, because that's what they showed. Do you remember the name uh, of the show by any chance? I don't. It was it was a Nickelodeon news show, maybe Kids News. I'm not exactly certain, but... Uh, was it like 87 but, or 88 that this aired? Yes. I guess. Mm-hmm. Like right around the time the game came out? Right around the time the game came out, yeah. And then uh, it was in Nintendo Power, right? Was, wasn't was that around uh, the summer? Issue, of issue one, yeah. Issue one, yeah. And that I, really cool I cover with the clay on it. Memorized all that stuff, too. Just absolutely loved the look of the game, uh, that it was different than Super Mario Bros. 1. Uh, really got me interested in that, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I I was a victim of the chip shortage, you know, and and trying to find a copy of this game, and uh, they they used to do, and they still do, uh, the Sunday paper circulars, and uh, a toy store called Child World in the Midwest uh, had an ad that said they were going to have Super Mario Brothers two that Sunday. And, uh, you know, I, I bothered my parents and begged them to please go to this store on Sunday morning and, and get the game. Unfortunately, we were a little bit late in getting there, but my uh, next door neighbor, who I was uh, good friends with, his family was also there. They had woken up early and they they got in there and purchased a copy for themselves and then also one for me and then another friend. So they walked out of there with three copies of the game and I was able to, to get it from them. They, they, uh, they really saved me wow. back then. It takes, a, it takes a village to raise a child. Indeed. Indeed. But I, uh, I, I loved the game, you know, and I had been predisposed to loving it, of course, because I, <laughs> I loved the Nintendo Power coverage and uh, had that tape of footage, and I, I, this game could do no wrong, basically. So uh, tell me a little bit more about that footage. So basically, it, would it start with the crazy scene where you're falling through space into the game? Was that what the yes. footage covered? Like just yeah, they said you could choose uh, between four characters, and they showed the little bit of the beginning where you're falling, and uh, the... The moving platforms uh, in level one where you're sort of over that waterfall. And man, I just like rewound and watched that footage over and over again. And I think they also showed some of the later levels. They showed some Birdo 
and uh, some of the desert stuff as well. And I'm sure at that but point when you see Berto throwing eggs or spitting eggs out like that, it's probably just like mind blowing. Totally, know? totally mind blowing. Game was like, yeah, completely. Huh. And the characters are like screen too. I mean, I knew nothing about it because I was so young when it came out. I was just given the game and knew nothing going into it. So I was but, like five years old. Man, d- Josh, your your cat. Are you sure you're not just like? Did you throw it on a grill or something like that? <laughs> yeah, um, this that's what we do in the deep south. We'll just giving a heads grilling. up. Yeah, it's it's very cute. <laughs> it adds character to the to the show. Um, Something like that. So so you know you got the game home and you're you're probably one of the first people to actually have the game. Uh, did you just kind of blow through it in one day, or was this some somewhat of a challenge for you to play through it? Oh, it was a challenge. This was the the game that lasted probably lasted me about six months, I'd say. And just I, did you just play through because it, it is it, it's a hard game. It yeah. is not an easy game. Well, especially if you don't know the shortcuts and you have to play it all the way through. Well, this makes yeah. me want to like reference because again, uh, you know, other retro podcast retronauts, one of like the first couple episodes, they did a Super Mario Brothers show, and I think it was Shane on there that said his best friend got or one of like his friends he went to a birthday and they beat it while they were at the birthday party. And I'm like, this guy <laughs> must have been like that. What was that kid's name from the wizard that owned every Nintendo game and had the power glove? Like it must have been that kid because even, you know, you know, back then and today, I think the game is still pretty hard. And mm. it's not just like a you know, something you can blow through in forty five minutes unless you have like a guide and you can use the warps and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't even know how I got through it back then or how I learned about some of those uh some of that warp st- stuff because uh, I'm pretty sure I used the warp pipes, but I'm not sure how the hell I knew about them because they're it's fairly uh, obscure how to how to use them. You really kind of have to be looking at a guide or something. Well, you probably yeah. were looking at the classified information section of Nintendo Power. Well, there's that too. Yeah, yeah. So we're watching some. Uh overseas kids news show or something <laughs> some strategies <laughs> wherever you were getting your hard-hitting news back then <laughs> so josh yeah. did you did you get this as like a, a birthday present or did you get it uh you know just as a, you know an everyday hey look at there's this new game out we need to pick it up yeah it? uh I, I got it as a birthday present and it was a little bit older probably by the time i got it because i was still very young the day this game released so um I got a little bit down the road and recognized, even at an extremely young age, that this game was in no way, shape, or form a Mario game, aside from the characters being Mario characters. I mean, just having gotten really used to playing Super Mario Brothers, I was just completely baffled at what I was seeing. I didn't mind it because it was insanely creative, and um, it was really colorful, and it was fun to play, and it introduced some neat mechanics. I liked walking around throwing characters and all that stuff. felt pretty natural to me. Um, but still, it very much felt like, and I didn't know this was possible back then, but it just felt like somebody else made it. You know? It, it was like, this is, a, this is like a Tengen version or something of, <laughs> of a Mario game. I don't really know what's going on here. This is like the weird uh, dream in Pee-wee's Big Adventure or something. It's just everything feels feels wrong uh but yeah I, I liked it even as a even as a kid i i liked it i don't think i beat it until i was a little bit older though it was it was way too hard for me 
So I can't imagine how tough um, loss levels would have been for me as like a six-year-old kid. I would have um, hated my life. But um, I, I don't know. I think I remember playing as Luigi pretty much exclusively. And I didn't like playing as Luigi when I went back to it um, this past week to play it. Hey, he looks uh, super cute when he's like, you know, his legs are just flinging in the air when he's trying to float or when he's, yeah. like, you know, jumping. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, like I thought that was awesome. I wanted to be him. I, I liked jumping really high. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? And it's the year um, of Luigi, man. You kind of, you got to at least give it a, oh, well, I guess it isn't anymore. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, YOLO or whatever. So I don't know. Sure. Um, who did you play as as uh, as a boy, as a lad, Kevin? Peach, come on, man! Like you played as Peach as a lad? Hell yeah! No, because she was easily the most powerful character in my mind. Because, uh, well, a I I never owned this game. I never we we never got this game. It was it was a weird situation where this was a uh, like a probably once every three or four month rental. Uh, for us, you know, it was in that cycle of something like Mega Man 2 where we rented all the time, but we never actually purchased. Same with The Legend of Zelda. Like, I never bought that until, uh, you know, we had a Super Nintendo and I bought it used. And when, uh, you know, we would rent it, we just would rent it because I guess it was a Super Mario Brothers game. And the way my parents looked at it, and I was talking to my mom this past week uh, a little bit about this and you know i keep i keep forgetting how much my parents just don't give a crap about this stuff and how much they just you know when we were growing up i i would ask her like how would you know that you guys would go to the video store and like what games rent because sometimes we wouldn't get to go they would just stop on their way home from work and this is the time when we'd always get super mario brothers 2 or we'd always get something like uh, uh what was the other game that we used to always rent oh my god I'm blanking. Uh, my Blaster Master, like she would always rent Blaster Master and Super Mario Brothers too. I, I have no idea why. Maybe she saw like saw, saw it in the Nintendo part when it arrived or something like that, or when we got her Nintendo. But um, I was asking her about that, and she was like, "Well, it was probably just because it was a Mario game, and that was a quality product. Like you were supposed to get quality from Mario. It was still all over the place. She knew I was a hardcore uh, viewer of the." Uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show and figured that was just the the right game to pick up, but it, she would always rent it and I would just get to like the third world and would huh. kind of just run out of steam for me. Um, because like you guys have said, this is just a super weird game and it's just a odd game in the history of Nintendo because of the, the background of it and just how, like what would you think of, think of today if like they, the Nintendo you know, saw this project that uh, 2K Marin was doing, like they were doing this new first-person shooter game, but 2K didn't want it, and they got rid of Marin, and then Nintendo picked them up as a second party or something like that, and they took that first-person shooter and remolded it into a new Metroid game. Like, I, I think it would be like, so, like how we'd feel about something like that. And mm-hmm. for for me, again, I just, I wanted to jump on stuff. I, I really missed the power-ups. I really miss having that Firefly. Like I felt invincible with that thing. I thought there were there weren't enough stars. I liked being able to find stuff in you know question mark boxes and stuff like that. And uh, I would just not get into it because it just like you guys are like Josh, you were saying like it just kind of didn't feel right. It was like the Chinese knockoff of Super Mario Brothers uh, for me, but. It was cool, and you still got to you know hit the pause button and hear awesome like 
you know, where they would cut out like parts of the song and it sounded super <laughs> cool. So um, that was probably my favorite part of Super Mario Brothers 2 growing up was the pause, yeah. pause screen. I don't understand how I didn't know that this was not a Mario game because as we're talking about this, I mean, the mechanics are so different so weird. And, and weird, but it was years later when I was uh, reading uh, probably Game Players magazine. They did a story on the uh, Famicom disk drive mm-hmm. and they mentioned the version of Super Mario Bros. 2 that was different than ours that I realized that there was even the possibility of that. Yeah. What a weird day that must have been. It was very strange. Yeah, like this part of my life is just completely not what I thought it was. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's like wow. learning that Santa Claus is, isn't real or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's about on par. Wow. Um, yeah. Have you ever played Doki Doki Panic? I have not. I have not. No. I haven't either. So, wow. There's okay. a good episode of Game Center CX on it, though, <laughs> uh, where um, Arena plays through that and also plays through the lost levels. If you want to see a guy like, to the point of, you know, you know, mental breakdown. Uh, and then to have to, then like some eight year old kid comes in and beats it like immediately, like some master Japanese Super Mario Brothers two uh, player. But, um, mm. yeah, like again, and I just, I, I thought there were so many things that looked good about this. I thought the cover art was super good. Um, yeah. I thought it was weird that it wasn't Super Mario Brothers. It was Super Mario two. And uh, it bugged me. I will play. I would have played it earlier in the show, and you guys probably already heard it if you're listening to this. Uh, the commercial for this game it really bugged me when I went to go check this out because this. I don't know if this has ever bothered you guys, but when people instead of saying Super Mario, they su- say Super Mario. <laughs> it's that... the worst thing there is, man. It's the worst. Oh, thing I don't know what do. that is. It's, I, I mean, I don't want to say too much, um, you know, but I, I have some thoughts on it and I might put it into a psychological journal someday at the university. Well, I mean, even when I hear it today, it's like, you guys played that new, that new Mario Brothers game, that new Mario Brothers 3D world? Well, I thought it what? was, um, Kevin, I honestly thought it was like a regional thing, or, or like regions of the United States. And you're from um, the Northeast, aren't you? Yeah, from Boston. Like born and raised. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it seems like it's uh, it's your region actually where people tend to say Mario. What? That's right. Yeah. What? I agree. Yeah. Because CJ, where where were you raised? Chicago. Midwest. Okay. Yeah. So, so Midwest, you don't really have to worry about the whole Mario thing. That's right. Okay. Well, maybe it's bugging me more that this is a Nintendo sanctioned commercial, and they allowed this to happen. Like this is just. <laughs> uh, where was? Uh, uh, oh man, what's his name? The the redhead guy who uh, uh, Phil. Uh, God. Phil Theobald? No, not Phil. Um, the the oh god, that, Phil Hartman. No, the guy who was like the head of Nintendo. Man, I watched a video oh. about this like two weeks ago. He was like the guy with the bow tie. Never mind. Yeah, Howard Phillips. <laughs> Howard Phillips. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, that's exactly who it is. <laughs> Jeez. So, so. All right. Anyways, I don't mean to run out of gas right there. Um, but it, yeah, I, I mean, again, it was kind of interesting with this game and how it really lined up with not only uh, you know the changes in the franchise, but also the uh, the cartoon. CJ, were you kind of growing out of cartoons at that point, or was you know the Super Mario Brothers Super Show featuring uh, Lou Albano? Was that uh, something that you would watch? Uh, I was probably just on the cusp of getting out of cartoons at that time. Oh, so I out. did I did watch it, 
um, because it was Nintendo. Of course. And it was cool. But uh, I, I only probably watched one season, maybe two. It was pretty rough. Well, it was it was all right. It was it wasn't. I mean, the 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 big thing that I looked forward to on Fridays was the yes. Legend of Zelda segment. Oh yeah, I would never miss one of those. Hell yes! And I know people <laughs> like say it's terrible it? now, but I loved the like man that that was badass being able to see a uh, Legend of Zelda cartoon. Yes, I'm dead serious. Um, no, I mean I completely buy what you're saying. I uh, I agree with you. No no judgment. His that. voice was a little bit disheartening, but it was a kids' show. Like I know, I know. You know, it's it's not made for. It's not supposed to be the next uh, Walking Dead on AMC. It was for six year olds and seven year olds. Um, you know, also at that time we had. And this is something that I want to talk about later in the show at some point. But also uh, because I, when I was doing quote unquote research for this episode, I also saw an episode of Video Power showed up on on youtube the the game show where people would compete in nintendo games and then get to run through a maze that was just covered in nes games and game boy games and like skateboards and you can like grab this stuff and then stick it with velcro to this you know you had a vest and a helmet and like elbow pads and you could yeah. run through this thing um that was the greatest show growing up just above all else because you could see all these games and like kid would just go down through the shoot with you know 12, 12 new NES games like that was just crazy yeah that's kind of what i always thought the future was going to be like <laughs> yeah screw jeopardy i want to watch video power featuring well, that crazy I, I just guy. in general i don't know I just, I just kind of imagined uh that that's like when life gets better when you get older when you have more money when you have a car that you yeah. go and do things like that and uh everything turned out wrong yeah i don't know i don't know uh, Everything turned out really poorly. Better than Nick Arcade, <laughs> I'll even say. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, another thing that I wanted to talk about is that uh, obviously not too far off, and even at this point in Japan, we didn't know, but Super Mario Brothers 3 was really close to release out there. And that was the real, if we're just being real, is that was the successor to Super Mario Brothers and I, I want to ask you guys, before we go back to revisiting the game, once Super Mario Brothers 3 came out, did your opinion on Super Mario Brothers 2 change at all? Did it make you kind of sour on the game? Because for me, personally, like when Super Mario Brothers 3 came out, I was like, I literally never went back to Super Mario Brothers 2 for like 10 years because it just, it wasn't, it, I, that's when I knew that was not supposed to, that was mm-hmm. like a mistake. So CJ, you know, what, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, well, does Super Mario Brothers 3 have a cool cartoon ending where Mario is sleeping mm-hmm. and it looks like a cartoon? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So my my opinion of uh, of 2 has has not been tarnished at all. Okay. Um, but, but I certainly, I love Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, for what it is, but uh, I also love Super Mario Brothers 2 for what it is. I'm just not. A, I'm just a bad person, so I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> CJ, you were the right guest for this episode. <laughs> it's becoming more and more apparent. <laughs> Josh, how about um, you? Did you know? Yeah. You know, when you saw when you played Super Mario Brothers three, did you still you know want to go back to Super Mario Brothers two from time to time? Check it out. 
Um, you know, th that's a really good question, by the way, when you were asking it, I was, I was kind of nodding my head in approval. Like Kevin, Kevin did some nice homework putting this show together. I had a long week. flight. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Like those are the hard hitting questions because I've never thought about that before. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that probably subconsciously I was like, this is the sequel we were supposed to receive. And I was kind of saying something along those lines at the beginning of the show when I was rambling away about how the game felt weird to me. And how when I played Mario 3, it seemed more like what I would have wanted out of a direct sequel to Super Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, perhaps perhaps what happened, I'm sure that the that Nintendo of Japan, um, or NCL, I think they're called, and Nintendo of America really didn't communicate well in the 1980s. They don't communicate that well now, from what I understand. But I don't think that they communicated well at all back then. And so probably Lost Levels came out as a very quick sequel, right? Well, it came out. It came out a year after on the disc system. Yeah, right. So I mean, that's like pumping out Call of Duty games or whatever every Whoa. year. So it's uh, <laughs> not liking it to Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, um, I'm dropping. It was like today. an expansion, uh, like yeah. like you were saying before. It might have been like it, this would be like the new Super Luigi U or something. Okay. Like that, okay. Know? So it was like a new Super Luigi U or Call of Duty, and um, yeah. So so essentially they were they were pushing it out really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so then the United States, that's a completely different area, and they're looking at it and they're like, Well, okay, we have uh we want to put out a sequel, obviously. This doesn't seem right at all. You know, Nintendo of Japan didn't like it um as a game to send to the United States because uh, they figured the players wouldn't be able to play it very well because of difficulty issues. And uh they were kind of forced into making some decision about how they put out a Mario sequel, knowing that it was going to be successful financially, right? It was um, huge success, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they wanted to do it, but they were they were kind of forced into a weird situation about it um, that that I think was really about Nintendo of Japan um, pushing out a sequel so quickly. Does that make sense? I know I kind of went off on a tangent, but no, yeah, and I mean, just talking about the financial reasons, this like nineteen eighty eight and eighty seven. It, we, we look back, this is the time when there were the Nintendo households. Like this is in America, you had the uh, spreads in, you know, the Nintendo Power and in Sears catalogs where you could get the Super Mario Brothers sleeping bags. You could get the Super Mario Brothers sheets. You could get like the stickers. You could get the desk lamps and the trapper keepers and all that stuff. And you could literally have a bedroom full of Nintendo and I just think that, you know, with, again, Super Mario Brothers 2, like, this is that that big push. You look at a lot of the stuff that they put out there. They used a lot of the art from uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, for their, those games. So, um, again, I just think it's a really unique point in the history of the United States and the Nintendo brand. Um, so it definitely is always going to hold a special place, uh, you know, for that. Yeah, you know, not too long after Super Mario Bros. 2 came out, we had, uh, and I was in probably 6th or 7th grade, we had a uh, family from Japan move into our neighborhood. And uh, the guy uh, was, was was kind of friends with my circle of friends, and I found out through the grapevine that he had Super Mario Bros. 3, and this blew my mind. What? Because we had just gotten... <laughs> Super Mario Brothers 2, and how can this be that there's already a 3 and somebody who lives in my neighborhood has it? You're a lucky guy. <laughs> I know. So did you, like, so, go right to his house? Like, 
What what happened? Well, I wasn't directly friends with him. Uh, I was okay. he was sort of in my circle, but uh, so there was this other guy who lived right across the street from him, and I got him to. We went over to this this kid's house and knocked on his door. He wasn't there, but his mom was, <laughs> and we asked her to please produce the cartridge for Super no Mario Bros. Three. Which like she did. She came out with it, crazy. and it said Super Mario Brothers three. And I, my mind was blown at this point that someone could have this at their house. And I think it was only a month or two later that it showed up on the Play Choice ten, uh, mm-hmm. and I got to play that uh, before it came out on cartridge in the U.S. But but yeah. Blew so did mind. you get to like do anything with the cartridge, or did she just show it to you? That she just showed it to me. <laughs> That's enough. That was it. Well, the 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 kid who was our age was not at home. He was at uh, soccer practice or something. So. That would have been totally pretty strange did. if you all just like took over the living room and started playing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. But I wouldn't have blamed you either. Or stolen it and tried to stick it in the NES. Yeah, I mean he wasn't that only... close of a friend to you anyway. So. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you like you said, you know. If you had your newsletter and you had a like a brief snippet about, you know that crazy little like the original whatever ten games uh, the original black box games black box games some of them have that uh, Famicom converter yeah. thing inside the card. If you just grab one of those, you know you can throw that into an NES. But you need the special. I guess you wouldn't even need the special. That was before they had the crazy screws. Um, yeah. That was also before the internet, before we even knew that they had those converters in there. Yeah. Man, that stuff's so cool. All right. um, Let's take a – actually, one more thing. One more – this is kind of a little bit later. This is like 2001. But um, I did initially uh, go into just randomly on a Saturday with my dad, went into uh, the local GameStop or it might have been EB Games or it might have still been Funkland. I can't remember. Uh, But it was the launch – week of the game boy advanced and they had one extra uh crystal not like crystal clear but it was like kind of uh like glacier uh game boy advance with uh, a copy of super mario brothers uh super mario advance that no one picked up and i literally uh wrote a check because this is right when i started having a job um i wrote a check that basically left about 16 dollars in my bank account it was all my savings to buy a game boy advanced and a super copy of Super Mario uh, Advance. Uh, got in the car with my dad. I pull it out of the bag. He said, "How much did that cost?" Like it was like a hundred and I don't know, it was like one hundred thirty, whatever it was one hundred fifty bucks. And then I had the uh, horrible, horrible experience of having to, with my head down, being dragged by my <laughs> father back into the store to return it moments after purchasing it so oh my gosh uh, that was a hard lesson on financial <laughs> responsibility and not to empty my bank account because i used to have to keep like i had a checkbook where you have to balance the checkbook in the back like my dad made me do that so um yeah. i never got a game boy advanced uh so anyways yeah let's uh take a quick break here's some more music we're gonna go to the future 2014, if you can believe it, and talk about revisiting Super Mario Brothers 2. So stick around.
All right, we're back in 2014, being our first episode of 2014, revisiting Super Mario Brothers 2. And again, there's a couple ways to play this game now, whether it's on the virtual console, Super Mario All-Stars on the Super Nintendo, the special edition that they made for the Nintendo Wii, and also, uh, you know, you might have picked up the Game Boy Advanced, Advanced, not Advanced, version as well, so... CJ, you, you, I think you, you jumped the gun. You, you got ahead of both of us, and you played through this uh, like last week. So I did. You know, and you were very adamant about going all the way through the game stage by stage. So what, what were your thoughts revisiting it, and how did you play it? I played it on the 3DS virtual console, and uh, thank God for safe states. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> because uh, I don't think I could have made it through the whole game. Um, without that, uh, for sure, it's it's a difficult game, and I can totally understand why my eleven or twelve year old self used warp zones almost exclusively to finish it back in the day. Because uh, man, some of these some of these levels are, are tough. They're they're a challenge, and uh, I I really enjoyed it. I think, um. While I was playing it, there was one area that I didn't remember at all, and I didn't remember ever facing claw grip as as an eleven or twelve year old. I probably uh, just used warp zones to get past that area, so mm-hmm. I never actually saw it. So that was new to me in this playthrough completely, mm-hmm. since I used no warps. But uh, at first, I hated the controls. Mm-hmm. I really, really didn't like them, and the jumping didn't feel good, and I uh, had to get back in the swing of things in terms of uh, being able to tell how far something was going to go when I threw it, And uh, but once I, once I got over that hump, I, I completely loved the game again, mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoyed it all the way through, and it is a... A challenging game. I think it's a platformer, but in a lot of ways, there are a lot of areas in this game where it's also kind of a puzzle game in that you have to decide how you're going to approach certain areas, especially in the desert, especially when you're digging uh, through the sand and they have those areas where there are shy guys above and below you and if those can be so hard man exactly if you don't dig in the right spot they fall on top of you and uh there are some areas where if you don't dig the right side of like a right or left uh fork in the road you don't get uh the invincibility cherries and uh, there are a lot of little things like that that i i of course knew about them back in the day but i just noticed them more this time in this playthrough yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you said you were playing it on the 3DS, um, and, and you start talking about how it's a platformer, but it's also uh, almost a puzzle game as well. So playing it on the 3DS was it the which model of 3DS are we talking about? Uh, the XL. Okay, the XL. Were you using the um, what? What do they call that thing? The circle. What the circle, circle pad? pad? No. Yeah. No, the, I the used D-pad. the D-pad. D-pad okay, all the way. That's like a really clicky D-pad compared to I know I know that I'm getting into some uh, really D-pad freak uh, kind of conversation here, but uh, but compared to like the NES D-pad, 
or the D-pad on the Wii U gamepad even. It's a lot clickier, if that makes sense. So I was just wondering yeah. what it was like controlling it with that one. Because you said you yeah. didn't like the controls at first. I didn't. Uh, although everything felt pretty tight, it was mm-hmm. just that uh, I wasn't used to how Mario 2 played. Who were you playing as? I played as Mario exclusively. Wow. This time. Yeah. And he does kind of, he gets some momentum going and then he can be, he'll jump a little bit farther than you expect him to sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And there was only one area, there was one area where I, it was like the area where you get the, you go into subspace and you get a mushroom, but it's all the way like on top of this castle structure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. And I was like, how the hell am I supposed to get up there? Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be Luigi. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's how I get up there. Well, and there's so. also that thing you can do where you hold down for a really long time. And, yep. Or not a really long time. It's like three seconds. Um, but even then, you couldn't do it as Mario. Oh, you can do that as Mario. Um, but you couldn't make the jump, though. You couldn't make the jump as that now. even Because you had to be holding on to the potion as well. And you can't do that. You can't hold on to that after you do that super jump. Ah, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Cool. So you brought up a a good point of the trajectory of the projectiles after you pick Mm -hmm. up a route or something like that, because that was probably the thing that I had the most difficulty with, too, is that you have to, you know, actually be moving in a direction before you throw. Otherwise, you'll just kind of drop it in front of you, Yes, um, which makes the boss (laughs) battles and some of the encounters, even just with simple enemies, you end up taking a hit because you need to start moving towards them. Or maybe you just need to, uh, you know, get in the proper angle for things like that. And uh, like, like you said, I just had trouble with that. It just felt like it wasn't. It just didn't feel good. You know. Yeah, I mean? there are a couple areas where you have to be pretty accurate with projectiles, like the uh, triclide fight, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or the mouser fight, where you're throwing bombs on. They have to land on that platform. Yeah, especially in that first fight where you, you like there's slowdown. <laughs> too yes. like on, on the on the nes version when i was playing through on the nes like you would literally like it starts chugging at that boss <laughs> battle yeah that helps a little bit though that doesn't is, it not not when you're trying to like time the throws and stuff like that and you're trying to also dodge fireballs like was, yeah true i could see how that would be a problem um you know it needs to play i thought about this while i was playing it and um, cj i don't know if you know this about me but i'm um, i'm obsessed with a spelunky um, oh okay like to to an unhealthy degree, I really love on. I really just love Spelunky to death. Kevin's had to listen to me talk about this a lot. And um, have you played Spelunky before? I have. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know, like can, it though. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. People either love it or they hate it. And I get that. There's it's 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 a game that's very much like that. Um, but still, you've played it enough to know that if you just tap the bomb button, you throw the bomb forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you press down and you press the bomb button, you drop the bomb. Um, and that's so much better of a system of carrying an item and trying to throw it. That's what I, that's what I just kept wishing I could do with Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> I was so... Uh, that's what 25 years of game design does, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, is, this is all we've learned in game design over 25 years, is um, <laughs> how to better throw projectiles in 2D games. Yes. Well, it, it, I started playing the game on the NES, and I ended up going to the Super Mario All-Stars version. Um, and incidentally, like I mentioned before, they did make some of those changes in the game uh, because there are some still – like, I, again, I still think this game is, is – it's not fair. It's not balanced, and it does, does no. not, uh, you know, 
have a proper layout to, you know, I, I think the level design is kind of just not super good because there are times, like, I think it's stupid. If you pick up one of those genie bottles and you throw it and it, in that area, I think in that screen, there should be a mushroom. I shouldn't have to search for life because, you know, again, if I don't find that initial mushroom, I'm trying to get through the whole stage with two, uh, you know, two pieces of health. And, you know, maybe I'm not going to find the second one because that's usually even harder to find than the first one. Um, so, again, I that just like, again, it did not make sense to me. I, I think it's really hard to get through stages with only two pieces of health. Um, and also... Uh, in the NES game, when the projectiles like bounce off the wall, they can then drop down on top of you and hurt you. Uh, they changed that in the Super Mario All-Stars version, but there's still times, I think it was in level 3-1 or 3-2, where you're going up uh, above ground and below ground and you're using lots of bombs to kind of get to you know a, a part of the level. Uh, and you end up having to go up one of the ladders and uh, on one of the sides of you is one of the enemies that are spitting, uh, you know, balls at you. And no matter what, you are kind of locked into that animation on the way up, going up the ladder. And that projectile is going to hit you every single time. You can't avoid it because he's already right. firing it on your way up. Um, so, again, I, I wish that was something that they fixed in the All-Star version. And, again, I think it's super boring to face the same mini boss at the end of every stage except a little bit harder a little bit harder as you progress um and nes game has better music i think i don't know if i remember the music from the all-stars version i didn't play it um this week i was hoping it doesn't have the pause music it's really when you pause it it's the same music Hmm. that's a huge that's a huge oversight it's a buzzkill. I, I honestly don't like the way that those that that game looks with 16-bit art, if you want to call it that. I know that sounds like a weird opinion, but I don't know. It's I never of, looked right. I kind to of me. agree to, with that. Yeah. Yeah, it just looks yeah. a little bit weird. I mean, I guess because at that point you've taken a game Doki Doki Panic and you've turned it into a Mario game, and then you've turned it into a 16-bit version of that. It's just so far away from what it initially was. Well, I think all the All Star games look kind of weird. I mean, yeah. Like almost, they they just look too good. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably right. They look they look too good. That makes good. no sense either. That's a really bad way to describe something. <laughs> but yeah, it just looks way too good. Uh, no, man. I, actually, I understand exactly what you're trying to say. Hey, here's something that I wanted to bring up with you guys, changing the subject a little bit. Um, there, you could get into some, talking about the mechanics and throwing, we were just trashing them a little bit. But one thing I really liked is this idea of almost like making combos when you would throw an item. If you kept walking to the right, you could sometimes hit as many as four or five, six enemies at a time if, if the item that you threw just kept bouncing yeah. off of enemies. Yeah. Um, I wish that they had done some sort of combo tracking with that and, and added points to it. I thought that would have been really cool. I mean, that's obviously a very modern thing that I wish was in a game that had been released um, yeah. a long, long time ago, but still. That, that actually brings up an interesting point, that this has no scoring either. That, you know, Super huh. Mario Brothers did have a score. This has no score. And three. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, and three had a, yeah, that's right. Um, And this game has no timer. And no timer. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, Which I that, that I thought was actually a good thing. I would have liked a score system, but uh, the, having a timer really doesn't add a lot to Mario games, in my opinion. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, it, I think it does, but like CJ was saying before, this is like almost a puzzle platformer where you need to solve, like like I was saying in that level, that stage three, two, where you're needing to actually use certain bombs in a specific order to open up a passageway correctly. Otherwise, if you don't use them in the correct order, you don't drop them the right way, you get to go from one screen back to the other screen to have them respawn <laughs> to try it again. Uh, so in, in that case, I think if there was a timer, it would be super frustrating where in Super Mario Brothers, it actually encourages you to build up momentum, get some speed, um, really even more so in those harder stages in the original Super Mario Brothers um, as you get to like World 8 where you can't just really be careful. You have to actually move a little bit. Yeah, this yeah. also has some interesting sort of diverging paths as well because yeah. you get to World 7 and World there are great. entire areas of that level that you may not see depending on which direction you go. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned using Birdo over and over again as a mini boss, and I totally agree that it's sort of a cop out. And but the uh, the place where I really like Birdo being used is in that uh, World Seven Two, I think, where he's holding a key as well, mm-hmm. and you're fighting him like in uh, in one of these rooms, and he's got the key, and that's just like a nice mix up of uh, of what you'd expect, and yeah. not to mention the uh, the fight in that level against the portal door. Exactly. The little, uh, bird yeah. door. I've, I've never made it that far until today. And that scared the <laughs> shit out of me. How <laughs> freaky is freaky. that? It's like you've never seen anything like this happen. And you're expecting, all right, uh, I can go to the next area. This is going to open up. Oh, oh, shit, it's attacking me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I think World 7 is by far, I mean, it's the most diverse of, of the levels. I think there was just a real, it's a lot of fun to uh, traverse um, com- compared to the other stuff where, again, I think, some, you know, some of the level layouts, like you go, you can only go to the desert, you know, so many yeah. times um, before kind of getting bored of it. But um, yeah, I thought World 7, where I was finishing up World 6, and, you know, you have the ice level, and I think World 4, but. Um, getting to World Seven, I'm like, wow, actually, okay, this this is actually fun to play right now, even though I am still dying. Yeah, I wish they would have done more stuff like that earlier on, more that verticality been... and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first uh, two or three worlds do kind of uh, feel a little bit samey, even though yes, you do have the digging mechanic in World Three. Um, you guys are right; the game really opens up later on, even to the point of like CJ was saying, it almost feeling open world esque, you know, and that you can miss entire areas and still complete a level. Um, so, yeah, it might be a little bit too much padding early on in the game. Yeah, did it bother you guys at all that it did not use similar music as you know the other Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers? I guess at that point where you'd only really get it in the other world, like that parallel world, you would get that kind of remixed version of the original mm-hmm. theme, and then also when you picked up the star, um, you would also get the invincibility uh, remix as well. Um, I just thought it was always weird. Uh, and again, I think that the NES music, the reason why I'm using it first for the show is because we're mainly talking about the NES game, but um, I think it just sounds much better than the, it's probably the one case where it sounds better than uh, you know music on the Super Nintendo, uh, mm. just because of how they made use of the sound chip on the on the NES, I thought they did such a great job to create unique sounding music. Um, although there is one stage where they use the um, beautiful uh, uh, steel drums for uh, the 
all-star version, but um, I, I just thought that was weird. Again, it was just one of those things where it did not feel like a Mario game because in the overworld and the underworld, it is nothing like Mario music. That's a good point. Uh, I, I I definitely noticed that, and that was part of the charm of the original Mario Brothers, or Super Mario Brothers, I should say. Um I mean, it, it was probably less offensive because they at least had the sort of remixed versions, uh, like you were saying, in the parallel universes, which is a pretty clever thing to do. Yeah, but I wanted to stay in, I wanted, like, I would be so bummed because I would get five seconds of that music and then I'm right back huh. to the, the the theme of the of Super Mario Brothers 2, which, you know, I just I just didn't enjoy as much. Like, I love that remix in, that you hear in the other world. Like, I just think that sounds, like, they slow it down a little bit. It just sounds really cool. Yeah. Are we going to be hearing that um, in this show? Yeah, you already did. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, that's right. I remember that. That was great. Editing. Um, mm-hmm. So, CJ, obviously you you went stage by stage by stage going through the whole game. Has that changed your view on it at all? Do you, do you appreciate the game as a whole even more, not using warps? What, what were your feelings You know, going all the way through this time? I do. I, I love that it is kind of like there's tinges of puzzle platforming in this game. And I appreciate that even more now. And even looking at some of the YouTube videos uh, today, there were some areas that I had forgotten about. Like uh, um, there's the the secret if you uh, go underneath the quicksand area in stage like 3-1 or something. And there's an area later on in World Six where you uh, you come out of the first door and you can actually fall down. And there's a whole other area like down below that you would have really no hint was there unless you tried it. And that that kind mm-hmm. of gameplay, that kind of well, if you try this, it might actually work or might actually uh, lead to. Um, going somewhere differently. I, I just think I really appreciate that in this game. And to think that this is, you know, Super Mario Brothers 2 and they've never really revisited some of these things uh, makes me a little bit sad cuz I uh I just really like the gameplay in this game. Which things specifically do you wish that they would revisit? Uh well, like uh, like Kevin was saying, you know, the picking up the potion, throwing it, and not mm-hmm. getting the uh, the mushroom in that area, or discovering which area you have to throw it to activate a warp or find something different. I mean mm-hmm. that that kind that of thing cool just isn't really isn't found too much in uh, in the current Mario's. Well, like everyone says, you know, all the Mario games are too easy these days, and obviously they didn't <laughs> get past like World Five in you know 3D World, which. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't like how people can talk with a definitive answer about that game, whether it's good or not. If you didn't actually get to the, I don't want to say the good part, but like the really, really good part. Um, mm-hmm. uh, thanks for bringing up 3D World, by the way. That's really relevant to the discussion that we're having right now. Um, so you guys have both played it, I assume. I know Kevin has. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, definitely some sort of a spiritual successor to Super Mario Brothers 2 in a few ways. Some correlation um, there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. so what do you guys think about that, if you'll talk about that for a minute? CJ, yeah, you go ahead. Uh, no, you, you go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think the, the the game itself, when when they kind of, you saw those similarities at the E3 trailer, again, well, the, the E3 trailer wasn't 
didn't really get me hyped up for the game anyways for 3D World. But, um, you know, when I saw that they were bringing those mechanics, to be honest, I didn't really care too much because I was going to play through as Mario anyways, uh, being that I wanted something that was more of a Galaxy game. Um, but I thought mm-hmm. it was cool that they still, uh, you know, brought back the cherries, even though this time that it just, they doubled you. I th- you know, I thought it was just an interesting thing to bring back. Um, it's always good to have the POW blocks in there, but just how they used them uniquely to, um, you know, make a bunch of, uh, coin boxes go off at once. I thought was really cool. Like it's, um, not something that I necessarily, I don't think for me personally, I don't think it added to the game of 3d world, but, um, you know, I still think 3d world is probably like one of the, you know, top three or four games of last year. Yeah. And they have the POW blocks in there and. Yeah. They're bringing back so many elements from Super Mario Brothers 2. Just make a Super Mario Brothers 2 sequel. They didn't go far enough. I agree <laughs> with Super you. Super Mario Brothers 2 2? Like a, like a new Super do. Mario... Well, I guess they did new Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, that would be amazing if they would do an, a direct sequel to this game in the same way that they did uh, Link Between Worlds. You know? Maybe... Get it on the 3DS, yeah. I would absolutely love it. It would, that would and be you fantastic. You can do a lot of neat things with 3D, actually, in ter- since it's such a weird universe anyway. Like, maybe that's, yeah. they could do something with that in terms of the parallel universes. Um, totally. Some sort of 3D elements going on with that. Uh, it could be a really cool thing. Um, I, I think this game deserves props. Yes, props. For um, bringing us a few of the mainstays of Mario's universe now. Even though, um, you know, it was kind of a strange game to be to become a Mario game. This is where we saw Shy Guy for the first time. Yeah. Yep. That's a scary dude. Like, he looks like he's wearing a hockey, hockey mask. Like, it's... And when he's not, on an ostrich? Oh, that's even more frightening. What about yeah, the know. little uh, tank thing that shoots fire? Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah, yeah. Lost, lost a lot of sleep this week on that. So, yeah. <laughs> it, is it weird? Like, I've been playing uh, on the plane a little bit. This is really off topic, and I apologize. But I was playing through um, a little of uh, Tearaway, and uh, those enemies, those those scraps, man, they kind of freaked me out. I don't know, I don't know if it was just <laughs> because I was, like, really tired or something like that, but the, the scraps that are walking on the poles, uh, and you have to roll. Uh, anyways. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun game. Um, so uh, Nintendo Power, uh, when when this game came out in the uh, issue number one, they had that spread. They only covered two worlds. There was no review. They did not have a review crew at that time uh, to let us know if Super Mario Brothers 2 was going to be great or not. Um, but, you know, it was uh, had a nice little spread in the first issue, and you can download that whole first issue of Nintendo Power for free at... Uh, e O instantly. Uh, well, I'll just post the link in the show notes. I'll make that easier. Um, but there's also um, an exclusive uh, sneak peek at the second quest in the Legend of Zelda and how to get access to that too on page 26. That definitely check that out. Um, and the trifecta of baseball games that came out that year: RBI Baseball, Bases Loaded, and Major League Baseball. Um, and you know, figure out which one's going to be the best for your. Uh, play style and your, uh, you know, depending on how you're a fan of Major League Baseball. Um, all right, so yeah, I mean, again, we covered a lot. I think it's a really interesting game, and it is one of those things that, you know, like CJ was saying, it, it would be really cool if they just kind of go back to that setup and and see if oh. they can bring it back. Because I, we said it last time we we did an episode, uh, but. 
uh, Link Between Worlds is hands down, like far and away, my favorite game of last year. And I like again, I was just on a flight, and I probably listened to the whole soundtrack like three or four times. Um, mm. Like that's how much I enjoy that soundtrack. It's so good. Um, so I I think if anything, we should just really have confidence that they can do good in in, in remaking this. Yeah. They just they they've been doing nothing but great stuff in Nintendo in terms of the games they've been publishing these days. Yeah, and you know they brought back the shy guys that brought back birdo yeah. but wart as a final boss <laughs> they have never revisited wart at all <laughs> that's right this is a shame like in nothing like in, in man i'm trying to think not, not even in like the mario and luigi games has he ever showed up in those or like uh there was wasn't there like a like a guy that was like wart in super mario rpg that might be possibly i might be played all the way that. through it yeah, I'm not sure on that one. Okay, maybe we'll might have to be, do that uh, it might point. show up in Smash Brothers or something. Well, yeah, they're, they're putting everyone in Smash. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Even that last boss fight in Super Mario Brothers Two is just a, an amazing, amazing boss fight. Like playing it as a kid, my hands were sweaty <laughs> and clammy as hell when I went into that area, and you have the different music. Right. Crazy graphics, and then this machine spitting vegetables. Yeah, it was just absolutely insane. And well, and you had so much writing on the fight at that point, you know, because of a lack of save states. No, but there were yeah. there were check. I mean, huge props for this game, man. Why are we giving out props? Uh, there's, props. <laughs> geez, this is like 1998. Um, <laughs> this is big ups, big ups to this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, big, big ups up. to SMB2. Uh, uh, there, there, there are checkpoints in between the uh, when you go through a door. That is a checkpoint. If it was like bringing you from section to section. Uh, so when I got to Wart, I had 10 guys. So I had 10 chances. Uh, so yeah. it was, you know, and also being on Super Mario Brothers All-Stars, I had the save state on there. Um, so it was no problem to, you know, to give it a bunch of shots. So I wasn't as stressed out, but I could only imagine, you know, getting to that point on the NES and just thinking, you know, maybe if Amada continues, I'm kind of screwed and I got to go all the way back to the beginning again. Oh, completely. And I mean, I remember cheering when I finally did it. <laughs> Do you have a picture? Do you have like a Polaroid of like, you know, in front of the I credits? I wish I did. I don't, sadly enough. Um, my uh, my late father recorded me um, beating Super Mario Brothers 1 as a five-year-old, and it's a pretty neat video to see. Let's throw that oh, on nice. YouTube. Yeah, I need to find it again, and, I, and I'll do that. Digitize it. Um, yeah, I really will. All right, cool. So let's uh, take a quick break. We're going to be right back talking about some uh, news and other discussions, things like that, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, So please stick around, hang out for a little bit longer.
Okay, this is the news and discussion portion, the non-time sensitive, or I guess this is the time sensitive portion, I don't know, uh, of what we do on Back in My Play. And uh, first, before we get into any of that stuff, just a, a, you know, a quick shout out to the fans out there. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And if uh, people have been uh, mentioning you know, wanting to support the show, the best way to do that is to jump on iTunes and submit a review on there. And while you're there, it's just one more click over to the Player One podcast and also submit a review on there. Again, uh, you know, CJ, when we had you on the first time, and I think we talked to, to Greg about this as well, but um, you guys are in like my, the two video game podcasts that I can uh, you know listen to on a regular basis right now just because there seems to be so much uh, cynicism and negativity with video games and stuff, and I like to have fun when I talk about this, and I like to listen to people that have fun and use this as a an outlet uh, to uh, enjoy themselves and not just say... Yeah, man, it's another one of those games. I guess it's okay. I don't know. Like, uh-huh. it's one of well, those. Thank you. Yeah, thanks yeah, for listening. So, so get on Player One podcast. Subscribe on there too. Um, they come out every uh, late Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, I pick it up on Monday morning for the dog walk. So uh, they also put out the best Christmas song of this uh, past season. So sure. <laughs> yeah, add it to the mix. That. Add it to the Mariah Carey uh, playlist when you go back to uh, the holidays this year. Mad respect for that. Well, thank you. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about something really stupid that I did first because, again, this helps me justify my dumb purchase. I spent $300 on a PC Engine Duo R through eBay. I finally did it after talking about doing it for about a year. And, hold, on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again. A, a PC Engine Duo R with How much? a... Uh, I spent... It was uh, $299.96. Okay. I already knew this. I just wanted the listeners to really think about it for a second. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was it was my next-gen purchase. I'm uh, you know, going into the next generation of video games. Uh, I, that's what everyone's been telling me is that Blazing Lasers and Bonk is going to be uh, the, the next big thing. So I'm putting my money behind NEC and the PC Engine. Uh, but like... It's it, worse than the Wii U has, so... Yeah, well, well, you know, I actually I don't know. I think the Wii U has outsold it at this point. But the oh, okay. uh, the the PC Engine Duo R, just if you don't know, it's unique because it is the card and disc uh, in one package for the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics. And the cool thing is, is there is a guy on eBay that replaces the lens and also makes it region free for the card. So one system will play everything, and he mods it for RGB out, so I can plug in and. Uh, a SCART cable from that to my Framemeister, and it just looks like, uh, you know, beautiful, like if it was emulated through something like the the Wii Virtual Console or something like that. Um, so along with that, I, uh, again, justified this as my next-gen purchase uh, by also picking up Castlevania uh, Dracula X that we're going to be talking about uh, next week and uh, a bunch of games, including Bonk and um, some cool stuff like Blazing Lasers, Lords of Thunder, and... Uh, this will be the uh, boost that I need to, you know, buy games that I don't understand when I go to Japan in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, that that's me saying that we're going to be doing some PC Engine stuff or TurboGrafx 16 stuff uh, uh, down the road. Let me say this: um, when I was talking to Kevin about this the first time, um, or maybe it was in a thread on NeoGap or something, I can't remember. But Kevin, you said so, you explained yourself really well on spending the money because um, you said it's almost like getting a brand new 
16-bit system. Oh, totally. You I, know, it's it, because it has this whole library of games that you haven't really experienced. Yeah, so it's like getting a new one in 2014. And you're paying retail prices. Like you're paying 50 <laughs> bucks for <laughs> 50. Like uh, my, the copy of Lords of Thunder was, I think, $70. The co- copy of Castlevania was 105 shipped from Japan. Um, so you are paying straight up uh, retail prices for this stuff. But, you know, the good thing is uh, are there there's lots of places uh, – you know, near Tokyo where you can get the hue cards, the little cards that uh, are not discs for like, you know, a couple bucks. And there's some unique games on there. There's a really interesting version of Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition on there, uh, which I was able to, believe it or not, buy a brand new copy off Amazon Japan uh, with brand new six-button controllers for the uh, PC Engine for, I think, a, a total of like $55. Um, and they're shipped to my buddy's house there. So those will be there for me. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting console and it's just weird because it is like a whole new eight or 16 bit console, uh, with a very unique library. And, um, you know, again, talking about, uh, Greg, but kind of Greg, uh, did a video on, uh, what was it called? Uh, Thunder Force three. And I fell in love with that game and now I want to play side scrolling shooters because I never played them before. And that seems like a good platform to do it on. Um, CJ, did you uh, get into the Turbo Graphics PC Engine scene? I was not into Turbo Graphics at all. I went to Genesis uh, during those days, but I did rent a Turbo Graphics system from uh, the local video store when they were doing things like renting systems. They don't. I do did that too. Anymore. I totally <clears throat> did. We rented it for a weekend. It was awesome. Of course, he had to put a deposit of like four hundred bucks down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was my only experience with the TG-16 at the time. Now, I never, I only played it at Toys R Us or something. Yeah, Toys R Us, they were pushing that thing hard. But, um, you know, unfortunately, there was just, I think no one will disagree that there was just better games on the NES. And then Super Nintendo came out with Genesis and it was just a joke yeah. after that. I do wish I had bought a Duo, though. Those are, that's, that's a nice machine. And as you're saying, like it had totally different games than yeah. uh, the other two consoles so yeah. well that's a, like again i'm just kind of looking forward to finding weird stuff out there like there's um uh, a version of new adventure island there's a, a really great game called jackie chan's kung fu adventure which you know you think might be kind of you know not so good but it uh from what i've seen on youtube it looks amazing the, the music is fantastic and the the platforming looks like a lot of fun and uh like somehow they made Street Fighter 2 on an 8-bit console, and it looks awesome on a card, not even on a disc. Um, so that will be fun to pick up. Uh, so let's talk about uh, NES Remix, because this is uh, retro and also current. Um, so, uh, CJ, you, you guys talked about this on Player One Podcast, but I was wondering if you could kind of give your, your updated thoughts on uh, NES Remix and, you know, if it's a worthwhile purchase for people out there that like old video games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically a Game Center CX or Retro Game Challenge version uh, game with, with classic uh, NES games, mostly the black box NES games. Um, so it's early stuff like uh, Balloon Fight and Golf and Clue Clue Land and Donkey Kong and uh, Super Mario Brothers and having you do things that you wouldn't normally do in those games, but, uh, uh, in an interesting way. And, uh, I, I love the game. 
I I have never played some of these games. Like I never played NES Pinball, never played NES Golf. Uh, Clue Clue Land was not on the top of my to rent list. So um, this is is breathing some new life into those titles for me, as well as. Uh, reintroducing me to Super Mario Brothers and having me do things that I was never able to do, like the uh, the turtle shell one up trick, which I could never <laughs> do. Yeah. Do, uh, back in the old days, uh, it basically makes you do it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> now I feel like hey, maybe I could do that. I in, bet you totally could. Life. I bet you could boot up like you know Super Mario Brothers and just you know go to I forget what it's like in the third world or something like that and just yeah. knock it out. Yeah, it like puts you in these situations and has you do these really quick uh, uh, things. But it feels really rewarding, and they give you a stamp for completing yeah. challenges. And there's sort of a leaderboard thing, but not really with uh, Miiverse posting. Um, and it, it's just really enjoyable. Josh, I know you got it as well, right? I did. And one thing I want to say, by the way, is I am with you on your love of stamps on Miiverse. Um, I <laughs> think the best things ever. They, they really are. Like, I, I like them way more than achievements or trophies or anything like that. Um, I'm a very qualitative type of person anyway, as opposed to quantitative. So um, I, I wish every Nintendo published game had stamps of some sort. And they're kind of getting to that point, slowly but surely, uh, because... Uh, Mario 3D World has them, and NES Remix has them, and something else does as well, right? Uh, I think those are the only two at this point. Uh, maybe some game that released in my mind has it, too. <laughs> the new Wave Race that came out uh, was really good um, in my mind. So anyway, though, uh, yeah, NES Remix is is quite good. It was very much a surprise release, um, sort of a Christmas gift um, or holiday gift, if you want to call it that, from Nintendo um, a week before. It was like December 18th, right? Um, that it just came out of nowhere. And uh, as someone who received an NES for Christmas a long time ago, it was a really cool um, thing to go back to and to play some of these games in smaller burst. I love WarioWare to death. I think it's I think that and Rhythm Heaven are both just great, great games. And um, this this definitely has sort of a WarioWare type of feel in terms of doing... It's, it's not as frantic and as... Um, fast as WarioWare, um, but still in terms of just giving you random challenges and you have to figure out how to do them uh, in order to get the highest score possible. Uh, in that way, it's a lot like WarioWare. And uh, like CJ was saying, it, it's a good excuse and a good reason to finally play stuff like Clue Clue Land that you're not going to go pay $5 on Virtual Console to play. Or golf, for that matter. You're not going to pay five bucks on golf. I mean, um, on the virtual console to play golf. But you know, if you have some random challenges here and there, like NES pinball or whatever, um, it's it's a lot more doable. And then when you get into the craziness of the actual remix stages, which are basically the ROM hacks, as some people call them, but there's really a lot more to them than that. Um, you know, if if you're one of the people who grew up with these games and this stuff is all sacred to you, like it is to the three of us, then um, it's it's really neat to mess with those conventions and what you're used to seeing in those original games. So, is there anything that is keeping this game from being on a 3ds? Would the, you think they would be able to kind of like port it to the 3ds at some point, or is there something that is, you know, obviously the the Miiverse and stuff like that is important, but that's also on the kind of on the 3ds now too, in some extent, but. Um, CJ, is there anything that you think that would be keeping it, keeping them from putting it out? 
Not really. I think some of the uh, remix stages do some graphical things that maybe oh, okay. the 3DS couldn't do, but uh, but I think they could do a 3DS version of this. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Um, yeah, me too. Because like for pick up and play, you know, just having it, you know, with, <clears throat> excuse me, with you and uh, for fast action. Um, well, they could do Game Boy Remix and oh. do. Uh, oh, that- Shit, that's a good an idea. entire library of Game Boy games that uh, you know I, I played some of them, but there are plenty that I didn't play that that could be awesome and if done in that fashion. Like I can see that Solar Striker. I want I want play, I want some Solar Striker stages that should be in there. I never played that. Oh the, man, that was so that was like the probably the first like shooter I ever played that wasn't Asteroids on the twenty six hundred. Um. What was the other thing that I was going to ask? Oh, no. Uh, one thing I, I will say, I think Nintendo's been doing a really good job about discounts on the, the virtual console these last couple weeks and the last couple months. Um, and I really hope they keep that up going into 2014 by doing like these 50% off sales uh, for, for NES games, like on Donkey Kong games and on Super Mario games and things like that. Um, I just keep, Nintendo, keep doing that stuff. It's really going to be good. Um, at least it makes me happy. Um, You're going to see Nintendo make a lot of changes in the next few months. We'll see. Yeah, you are. I hope that makes you think that. means, like, by making a lot of changes, means doing more experimental stuff like NEX Remix. Yeah. Or, right. like, digging through their back catalog and, and pumping up Virtual Console more yeah. and uh, just trying some weird experimental things that's what i'd really like to see nintendo do and that's when they make a lot of money is when they're experimenting and doing things that are completely outside of the box that's when they historically have been successful you know some of these ideas stick and then they have a a big new thing well how about you know a great you know service that you could subscribe to and (laughs) you know play a bunch of games like Mm. playstation it seems to be doing something like that but it's obviously a little different. You're going to have to stream these games through the internet to your PlayStation Vita, PlayStation Vita TV, of course, for all hundred of you that have that, and uh, PlayStation 4, and eventually in the future, your tablet, your computer, your Sony Trinitron, or whatever they make for TVs these days. Um, Probably, yeah. Your, your Sony XBRs, uh, all that stuff. Of course those. Um, but I mean, it was really interesting at CES, they made an announcement that it looks like the Gaikai stuff is ready to go, or they will be doing closed beta tests real soon. And then coming this summer, they should have some games available in the service. There is no details on pricing or what's going to happen if say, guess what? I already, uh, purchased uh, parasite Eve through the, uh, download service on PSN, what am I going to have to pay extra on top of that to be able to play that on my PlayStation 4 and things like that? So uh, it could be really interesting. Uh, CJ, what are your thoughts? You you excited for PlayStation now? Is that something that uh, you think you would use? Uh, I'm actually not that interested in it until I find out about pricing. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and the idea of an all-you-can-eat game service is interesting to me in theory, but... In reality, I mean, I hardly have time to play all the games that I've bought outright. Mm-hmm. And if I'm also paying a monthly subscription fee for an entire library of of games, I'm just not certain that I would use it all that much. Maybe I would, well, but it, I'm not I, sure. 
I kind of think it's not really for us. Um, the more that I think about it, I think that it's not really geared at CJ and Josh and Kevin. I think it's more geared at uh, Joe Walmart. Who? <laughs> yeah. Um, Joe Football or whatever. Um, yeah. So I think that it's geared at people who are going to be buying new televisions. People buy new televisions every year. I'm not saying the same people, but there are always people buying them. Um, so they bring home a Bravia and they realize, hey, you know, I connect this to Wi-Fi and all of a sudden I have the option. Uh, they probably will give you a free 30 days or whatever. Um, I can go back and play these PS1 games that I remember. And look at all. I heard about this Last of Us game on PS3. Um, that's pretty cool. And, you know, so they'll go and play some of the Metal Gear Solid stuff. And I can see, I can see it being really popular with that audience of just general consumers who don't want to pay a lot for a game console, but certainly wouldn't mind having it sitting there. And we see that with people who buy tablets. Well, that's the Vita TV, man. If they bring that over here, like that's a, that's a under $100 box that will play <clears throat> I don't think people want the Vita TV, though. Like, I mean, I think the Vita TV is cool, but I just, I, I don't know. It just seems like Apple TV and Roku have such a stronghold on the, like, little set-top box market. Sure. Um, that it, but, but if it's already built into the TV that you bring home and there's no extra boxes or anything needed, you know, maybe they pack in a DualShock or whatever. Mm-hmm. I could see it being really a, a pretty big thing, actually. Yeah, you, you know, if, if they bring out... Uh, I mean, this is the big bummer about all these digital services that you'll never be able to get uh, the chance to download Die Hard Trilogy Arcade or Die Hard Mm -hmm. Trilogy on for PlayStation 1 because the rights always change hands. And uh, I'm just saying that because I just bought a copy of it. Um, That game's pretty rad. That game is pretty rad, man. It has Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, Die Hard with a Vengeance all on one disc from Ubisoft and Fox Interactive. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think CJ is completely right. We got to see what the pricing is. If it's something like WWE where they brought out for 10 bucks a month, I get all the pay-per-views. I get all the old content. Uh, man, I think for $10 a month on top of my PlayStation plus, if I got access to, you know, 50, again, it, it, like you said, it depends because I have all these awesome PlayStation plus games like that I haven't played because I don't have the time to play them. Um, even though if I did have time, you know, it'd be great to play Dragon's Dogma or the new Devil May Cry or Bioshock Infinite again. I'd like to go through that. So, um, yeah, man, I guess I was more yeah. hyped up about this when I saw the announcement than I am right now. Well, no, I mean, it's a great idea. Like, I, I don't want to downplay it as, as an idea. Um, it's something that I really wish Nintendo was getting behind as well. Um, and maybe we'll see them do something like this later on down the road. But uh, I just don't know how much it's going to affect people who have bought a lot of these classic games on PSN anyway. Mm-hmm. And have owned all these consoles like PS1, PS2, PS3 and have played a lot of these games already. I'm going to use it a little bit though. Like I guarantee you I'll subscribe to it when it comes out and, and try it for a few months. Yeah, let's wait a little bit. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's some PS3 games. Like I haven't had a PS3 for a long time. So I mean, there's some PS3 games that I'll play on my PS4 with it. Like right. some of the later games that I missed, like Puppeteer. Yeah, that's a pretty good game. Um, all yeah. right. Well, uh, I guess that's going to be it 
for for this week's show to give people a little bit of a heads up on what we have coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I have been busy scheduling and uh, Josh has as well on, on getting guests and, and games lined up. But uh, next week, uh, like I mentioned before, we're going to be doing Dracula X on the PC engine with uh, Kurt Collada of HardcoreGaming101.com. Uh, uh, so that's going to be next week. And then after that, uh, week after that, we're going to be doing uh, with Jonathan Metz of Nintendo World World Report, uh, he picked this is his choice, Mylon Secret Castle. So that's going to be an interesting <laughs> game. Metz bringing the thunder. <laughs> it was uh, it was guest choice, and and uh, he wanted to do uh, Mylon Secret Castle. So um, I, that also arrived while I was in LA. So I'm going to be uh, getting that cleaned up and and ready to go into the uh, NES and. See how things go. Another uh, great episode of Game Center CX, if you want to check that out too, with some uh, cool pro tips in there from their producers. Um, and then after that, uh, we do have confirmation from uh, Mike Micah on coming on the show. We haven't finalized the game for him, but he should be the week after that. And then we're also going to have Steve Lynn on uh, to talk about video game collecting and crazy game auctions and things like that. So uh, it's going to be a jam-packed week. And uh, I will, uh, make a call out, uh, while CJ is on the show, um, if Phil or Mike ever want to come on, I'd love to have those guys on too, if they want to talk about some, uh, old dusty video games and, uh, you know, only like, if Phil talks in the Bane voice though. <laughs> no, only if he doesn't talk in the Bane voice. <laughs> there you go. I'm uh, sure, I'm sure they would love to come on actually. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, we'll see if we can, uh set something up um so yeah let's uh just to quickly talk about real quick uh player one podcast.com um is the website to go to check out player one podcast anything else uh i'm missing cj obviously super pack on twitter nope that's it yeah awesome uh all right well i hey, am I'll brag on your new adult swim game that came out this week oh, castle right. doom bad um oh, castle yeah. doom bad it's a really um, I had a tweet a few weeks ago that I put out saying that I was done with the tower defense genre um, because I was, I, I, you know, and I really thought I was. And, and for the most part, I probably am done with it. Everything feels the same. But this is a really interesting take on that um, in which you're the villain and you're trying to um, harvest like screams from from the prisoner that you have. And you're trying to keep all the heroes from saving the day. It's really neat. Yeah, we we liked it because it was uh, a unique take on that genre. And like you, I'm kind of sick of tower defense games, but this we felt would uh, would cut through and uh, really appeal to folks who have liked that genre in the past. So yeah, I'm I'm pleased with how it came out, and I'm I'm glad that you are too. Yeah, job well done. Thanks. Very cool. Again, add that to the list. Boot up iTunes and, and jump on there and submit some reviews for for all the podcasts and. Check that out. And uh, until next time, uh, again, CJ, thank you for taking the time to, to come on and talk about some old stuff. And uh, we'll be coming back next time with uh, a game that costs $105. So I hope it's worth it. Um, I'm really, I'm really, like I said, I actually, uh, you know, tweeted to the Player One podcast because I, I, after I put through that PayPal accept button, I felt like I did a really stupid thing. But, um, <laughs> 
It'll be worth it. I hope so. It'll be worth it. It'll be a good show at the very least. It's that's what it is, right? It's the cost of uh, putting together a good retro gaming podcast. Yes. Yeah. Of course. So for that, there I'm doing go. it. I'm doing it for the love of the game. All right. Uh, again, thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it so so much. Thanks for checking out uh, backinmyplay.com, playeronepodcast.com, uh, and until next time. Again, thank you, and hopefully you get to uh, blow on those cartridges and play some games. It's a bad way to end the show, but I did. That's it. Goodbye. Bye.